of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Featuring our podcast, One More Thing. Get more info at armstrongandgetty.com. So this is a news person that can speak how many different languages? Uh, I don't know how many he is capable of speaking, but this is uh, Philip Crowther of the Associated Press. And uh, I believe this is all from one day. He did reports in six different languages. Beaucoup de, de partisans de Donald Trump. Uh, this is French. Beaucoup de, de partisans de Donald Trump, en fait, lui croient quand il dit que l'élection présidentielle lui a été volée. This could very well Thank you for that. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> und dann spürt man beim Präsidenten doch auch den Druck von Mitgliedern seiner eigenen republikanischen Partei. Luxemburgisch. That's obviously it's a German dialect. You're looking a little Luxemburgisch today, to me, so I don't know. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You'd think with mad skills like that, he'd have a more profitable gig than an AP reporter, Reuters or whatever you said. And pretty fluent, apparently, because it seemed like right there he was like answering a question from... The the Germans. Yeah, the yeah. jobs killer. That used to be six different people had that job. Now, yeah. ooh, ooh, look yeah. at me. I speak all the languages. Show March off. on him. <laughs> As we've talked about before, your brain either can do that or it can't. And, yeah. and if you're, I could try. Is I could dedicate my life to that, and I and I couldn't make it. I happen. always wonder what no. language they think in. It's got to be their most native yeah. one, right? But I, I wonder if they dream go, in. Yeah. I, I've heard. Of, I was just reading about that the other day. Who's the uh, the the Samuel Beckett? Uh, Irish Nobel Prize winner for literature. He moved to France and did all his writing in France so that he could think in French because he thought more clearly in French than he did in English, which he spoke what? in Ireland. Yeah, and so What the hell does that mean? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. And it's not like the guy was saying, which way to the train station? <laughs> I mean, right. you got to have a pretty decent vocabulary to be reporting on what sounded to be a political story. Um, so El, Donald El Trumpo. I got three things to get to on this podcast, so that's one of them. The other one is we we're talking about the consumer. Man, there's the pain in my back. God dang it. Ugh, I'll explain that in a second, I think. Eesh. Um, we were talking about the Consumer Electronics Show, which is kind of going on. It's more or less canceled, but they're sending out lots of videos and Zoom calls to the yeah, reporters. It's a, it's a never-ending Zoom call. Sounds fun. <laughs> but a couple of things. Uh, so Samsung. Kill me. <laughs> Samsung showed off a set of ro- robots designed to help around the house. If you consider ripping my head off, help. Um, I heard uh, an article on uh, eh, report. It might have been NPR where they were talking about this uh, the British robot that can prepare and cook 5,000 different recipes. It's got all sorts of sensors and cameras and the rest of it. Wow. And I guess you probably have to put the carrots and onions and, and yeah. meat in front of it, but then it does all the work. Now that... I would like the food bot. That would be groovy. One of the the meals it can prepare, human. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You got it. It's at the end of the recipe book, but it's there. There's a there's a, uh, a little clip on that page too. The robot put it there. <laughs> there is one more recipe you have yet to try. <laughs> and... Oh, really? Cookbot? What's that? Old still. Read, uh, read, read, read. General Motors, GM 
took a giant leap, showing off its concept for a flying car. How has this gotten buried? Is there a video of this, the flying car? Or is it just a bewheeled helicopter? And what's the difference? Anyway, so getting me to my back pain, one of the things of the Consumer Electronics Show is what they're calling the ultimate gaming chair, which has got a rolling wraparound display. So it's like a a nice-looking office chair, and it's got a computer screen on it. Well, I got led into a, a computer chair. screen. It's a 180 degree panoramic view. You can. Oh, my gosh. I can. The peripheral vision I can get when I'm battling teenagers on the Internet and my games would be unparalleled. That yeah, nice description, Jack. It's like calling the Grand Canyon a hole. Come on, man. <laughs> it's a chair with a screen attached. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> Turn on him, everybody. Michael. I was just trying to move on to the next part of my story. <laughs> Which is how I came to buy this chair I just bought. So I kind of, uh, I, I came across an article about the ultimate gaming chair, which actually didn't have any electronics involved. It was just about being the most comfortable chair if you're going to sit in it for a long time. And it was something called the Eames chair. Or is it Ames? Eames, I think it's Eames. Have you ever heard of that? Eames? Eames no. So no. I was completely unaware of it. And I ended up going down this rabbit hole. And now I know something about something that I didn't know anything about. The Eames chair, invented by a husband and wife named Eames in 1956, took the world by storm. You'd know one if you saw one. It's It's got this kind of futuristic, remember the, fut, the, the furniture of the 60s and 70s? You know, we're the same age, so you probably sat in some of these kind of weird-shaped plastic chairs, maybe even in school. They sure. Looked, they looked like futuristic, and for some reason we decided those were bad and moved away from them. I think stylistically more than anything, but... The Eames chair is considered one of the most um, uh, important um, artistic, um, there's a word I'm missing, style. Uh, One one of the most important stylistic things that happened in the entire 20th century. How do you spell it? E-A-A-M-E-S. You'll see it, and it's a a fairly normal-looking chair. I got the computer right in front of me. Oh, yeah, that's a good-looking chair. Dang. So now that I'm aware of the Eames chair, they're very expensive. A real one is very expensive. $6,000 for a real one. Now, they were made starting in the, 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 the 50s all the way through the 60s. That company stopped making them. Another company started making them exactly the same way. They were expensive back then. They're expensive now. Now that I'm aware of one, and I've seen pictures, Frasier sat in one, you know, in the TV show Frasier. Tony Starks has one in his uh, Iron Man movies. It's 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 like a Rolex watch or a Mercedes. It's a it's a sign of look. I'm wealthy and I've made it. That yeah, I guess a seven thousand dollar chair that would have been lost on me. I wonder how many times I've been in somebody's house or whatever, and I've seen one and like didn't mention it because wiped a booger on it or something. Yeah, I, I freaking yeah. had no idea. What's <laughs> Would you like to sit, Jack, in this chair? And you're like, nah, I'm fine. I'll stand. Um, but so I came across this article saying it's the most comfortable chair ever uh, developed, and I did some reading about it, and then I came across an article of uh, best knockoffs of the Eames chair because I'm not going to spend seven grand on a chair or anything even close to that much money. But so uh, then I uh, oh uh, similar at the same time I go onto Craigslist and uh, I just I, t- I just typed in chairs and then went highest to lowest price and I came across um, a used knockoff a used Chinese knockoff of the Eames chair and that yes. is, and that is what I bought um, and uh, according to the reviews and everything it's exactly the same dimension specifications build technique as the real thing lots of great reviews on it all did i know you, uh, is this did you run into barbara boxer while you're dealing with the chinese there huh? so anyways eric swalwell dropped it off well yeah <laughs> it was on actually eric. actually and you know this 
the Chinese, when they want to, make stuff perfectly. That's one of the ways they're ripping us off. They so, they steal all the information about a, you know a Nike driver, and they can build one every bit as good and sell it for cheaper around the world. Or or with the you know they put Nike on the side of it, but they're they're capable of doing that. Musical instruments, all kinds of different stuff. They're great at if they want to be. Not just the cheap crap that they sell us, but they can build stuff really high quality for cheaper because they have slave labor. Anyway, that's why I was hoping for with this chair. And I bought one, used Craigslist, brought it home last night, watched Apocalypse Now. Not the whole thing. It's too long. But I probably sat in the thing for an hour and a half. And I have back pain today like I've never had in my life. Like I'm being stabbed. Wow. Like a completely new kind of back pain, different than anything I've ever had. Like somebody's got it like a robot that was supposed to cook me a meal, stuck a knife right between a couple of my vertebrae, and is just wiggling it around. Now, come on, China. For sitting in my cheap Chinese knockoff chair. Was it uncomfortable as you were sitting in it watching the movie? A little bit, yes. I was trying to deny it. I was trying to pretend it wasn't true, oh, that boy. having spent some money... And the a little Emperor's time New Back Pain. Yeah, exactly. China. <laughs> yes, I was trying to pretend, no, it's just uh, you know, it's just taking some getting used to. All right? I must have been sitting funny. No, this is comfortable. This is perfectly I, I comfortable. I think we have come to a real-life example of why I feel polling, Q&A-based polling, is, is dead and does not work. Because you are mister. If people would just stop buying... Chinese crap, yep. pay up a little bit, yep. get the good stuff. It's, yep. it, it lasts twice as long, sure. but then when presented with the actual actions to do, <laughs> what do you do? Like, oh, you good. We're turning on Jack again. This yeah, is fun. No, yeah, absolutely. That's, that, was the, that was the secret theme of the podcast today. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, yeah. It's, it, I, you, would not, I wouldn't even have thought that you could design a chair that would give me the pain I've got <laughs> if that was your goal. <laughs> designed, designed in East Germany in 1968. Or, or China now. Right, yeah. Well, now, uh, here's just a devil's advocate question. I know if if somebody, maybe it's your mom or yourself, you decide, God, my posture's terrible. In fact, even as I started that sentence, I was slouching, and now I've straightened my back. If I sit with good posture for the next three minutes, it will hurt. Maybe that's it? I, I just wonder if the thing uh, straightened you up, you know, and you just, you, you're not using those muscles, and that's why it hurts. So, what is my lesson here? Don't buy cheap Chinese knockoffs of anything? Maybe that's a lesson. I, I guess, or just sit in it for the next four nights in a row, and either you'll have great posture Call or you'll be crippled for life. <laughs> Call an ambulance to come pick me up. You got to take it to the wall, man. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Featuring our podcast, One More Thing. Get more info at armstrongandgetty.com. Somebody just texted this. It's pretty funny. The Chinese spy who slept with Swalwell and that old... Yeah, that fat old Midwestern mayor or whatever he was. Must feel pretty dumb knowing she could have just walked right into the Capitol. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, man, I slept with Swalwell. I could have walked right in. <laughs> He's a handsome enough guy, a charming. Uh, so, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. The, the... Sound kind of like you want to do him. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. What, is this a high school basketball team or locker room banter? <laughs> what the hell, man? You're better than that. Why don't you marry him? I think I, I think I just needed some different flavor from everything <laughs> we've been talking about. I think that's yeah, what I, I know. I know it. So we were just chatting off the air uh, about, uh, well, and off the podcast about uh, the the angry reaction of the show, the live show we did today, which was about the uh, the storming of the Capitol. It happened yesterday as we record this. 
Um, and, and the various angles, we, we spent the whole show discussing it and got a lot of angry emails and texts and that sort of thing. Also, quite quite a few very nice and supportive and pleasant ones, too. But um, And Jack uh, said, I wonder how many listeners we actually lost today. <laughs> and I don't want to lose listeners. Oh, and I'm so not, of course not. I'm not cavalier about that at all. Um, But if I were to believe texts and tweets, it's... Certainly three digits, and that's just people who, you know, took the time to express it. I'm sure there are people that are like, screw this. Um, you're going to say that about Trump. I'm not listening anymore. I've done that with shows. I've done that with sports shows. I've done that with talk shows. It's just like, yeah. I remember every once in a while I'd do that with Jon Stewart on The Daily Show. I'd think, all right, that's too much. And I'd be out for like a week. I'd usually come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Yeah, yeah. It's uh, and and then I replied that I'm glad I don't know because that the minute you become too concerned about that sort of thing, you can't do what we do the way we do it. Maybe we ought to do something different. I don't know. Some of you think so. Um, and I was reminded. It was funny. It was just popped into my head during the years of me playing live music. You're way better off with a lighting system where you can't really see the audience. Oh, I've no, I've known that's true. With our speaking engagements, I've known that. Between, yeah. If I can't see, you know, somebody looking at their watch or scrolling through their phone, I'm better off. Getting open mic flashbacks. So <laughs> when you're when you're up there, and, and your point is a good one, it's a good example, but when you're playing music and you can't really see the audience because the lights, you assume everybody's digging it. And you play with confidence and personality, and and you let it rip, and you probably win over the audience. But if you're if you can see the audience, and you see the one person rolling their eyes, and the other guy getting up to take a pee during your best song, <laughs> and the rest of it rattle the hell out of you, and you play worse. Yeah, and the weird rough. thing about human nature, you don't notice the ninety percent of other people that are actually grooving and digging to the tune, which True is that. a well, fantastic ratio. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but eh, it's fine. We talked about this on the air. If you dig it, great. If you don't, we understand. I just... Well, I don't... I, we, we simultaneously get like a scale of one to five. What do you think of the show? And we will simultaneously get, it's horrible, it's the best thing ever, and then three like in between, and the two that are sort of in between disagree vehemently with each other. So what to do with that data? Yeah, I wouldn't... I wouldn't go so far to even say it's fine. It's just, what's the alternative? There's no alternative. It, the alternative used to be you'd go to the mailbox and, you know, you get a letter now and again, that sort of thing. Now we get thousands of emails. Well, what's the old saying? Text. It's easy to please all the people all the time. Wait, no, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> you got it wrong, Sean, idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The capital storming compares to the Glywitz incident. I don't know what that is. I don't either. Reichstag um, fire, you hit me with that, I know that one. Right. But, uh, uh, this reminds me of the false attack. And, ah, the Nazis perpetrated on a Polish radio station in 1939, mm. just across the border. That's right. That's in the rise and fall of the, uh, the Third mm. Reich. Right. I do uh, remember Nazi that. Germany, now that you mention it. In order to have an excuse to invade Poland. I'm not saying that's what happened. It just reminds me of that. There's actually some vaccine uh, news that came out, and I was all ready to go with today until, you know, the craziness happened. Um, I'm exhausted by this. Yeah, well, it's it's a lot of uh, I mean, here, here you go. And we may mention this on the show tomorrow. Uh, forgive us if we do. But um, and then uh, Megan, the physician's assistant from Dallas, uh, got the second shot now. The, really? The dose okay. of the second shot. Uh, got it Monday. Uh, very easy. The shot itself was fine. Tuesday morning, I woke up feeling like I was coming down with the flu. Mild chills. Just not feeling great. 
This progressed over the course of the day Tuesday until I was just feeling like crap, chills and fatigued. Thankfully, I had a short day, was able to go home early. That afternoon, I popped a temperature of 100.3, took Tylenol, the fever, as well as most of the symptoms subsided. Uh, woke up Wednesday feeling 100% again. Uh, just a bruise on the arm. And she sent a picture of her arm. Nice guns, Megan. Clearly you work out. Well done. Probably has got something to do with the fact that she sent the picture of her arm. If you had the bingo wings, you might not send the picture. You'd probably hesitate or you'd take two or three angles till you came up with the right one. Why is that a primarily woman thing, the bingo wings? Just where they store fat, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Just yeah. like men yeah. primarily in their belly. Sure. Yeah, you don't see a lot of guys with, like, really heavy thighs, for instance. It's just a, you know, okay. a man woman. Of course, there's no such thing as men and women. That's all socialization right there. That's societal <laughs> pressure that causes men to store fat in their belly because they're told that that's how a man should behave. It's really, it's toxic masculinity through fat. Armstrong and Getty. <laughs> Information. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Featuring our podcast, One More Thing. Available everywhere. Get more info at armstrongandgetty.com. So I came across this column by Ellen Cushing in The Atlantic, and it's uncharacteristically short for The Atlantic, which their articles usually make Moby Book look like a Moby Book. I'm reading while I'm talking. Friggin' idiot. (laughs) Stupid, mushed mouth, tongue-tied jackass more no the negative self-talk that's not good it's not good joe don't quit saying that yourself. quit doing that you moron you stupid piece of i'm not even gonna say it on the podcast my kids do that and i'm pretty sure they picked it up from me the negative self-talk and it's a bad habit and i'm trying to get them to stop but i need to get them to stop by um well uh correcting them when they do it so they notice it and modeling better because i just i have a habit of doing that and there's all kinds of research that says it's terrible for you. There's Well, there's no advantage to it. But my no. son does that. Man, he'll beat himself up so bad over something minor. I'm like, dude. Yeah, I know. And so many of us would never do that to another human being. No, no. And not only for compassionate reasons, but, you know, and uh, you know, I play a fair amount of golf. I play a fair number of games where you have a partner and... Uh, the idea that after every bad shot that he hits, you'd berate him? Please, he'd be terrified. He'd fall apart. I mean... God, you suck. Why do you even play? Yeah. You spent all that money on those clubs. Lessons, you can't hit them. And this is the way you play? Imagine saying that to the other guy. But I've heard people say that to themselves. I don't know how yeah. many times in my life. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Then you expect it to get better, yeah. Or coaches who coach that way. They're terrible. Anyway, uh, let me try again. So I came across this piece in The Atlantic. Uh, Their articles make Moby Book look like a (laughs) (laughs) Now they make Moby Dick look like a comic book. Uh, They're so friggin' long, but this one is remarkably restrained. Uh, But the the title, what is the title? Late-stage pandemic is messing with your brain. And she leads with, uh, she actually said to her boyfriend, what did I used to do on weekends? Like a soap opera amnesiac. I couldn't remember, and he couldn't either. Wow. Since then, I can't stop noticing all the things I'm forgetting. Huh. Sometimes I grasp at a word or a name. Sometimes I walk into the kitchen and find myself bewildered as to why I'm there. And I was thinking, all right, look, you just, you hit 40 or something, sweetheart. <laughs> right. Um. 
But then I thought, I thought, okay, you're you're hitting middle age. I don't care. But then she went on to write. Uh, other times, it's just like someone is taking a chisel to the bedrock of my brain, prying everything loose. I've started keeping a list of questions, remnants of a past life that I now need a beat or two to remember, if I can remember at all. What time do parties end? <laughs> How tall is my boss? What does a bar smell like? Are babies heavy? Does my <laughs> depends. Does my dentist have a mustache? Uh, on what street Just, was that? You wonder if your dentist has a mustache. <laughs> you can remove that one from the list of questions you need answers to. Yeah, don't worry about it. And I think you'll adjust to the height of your boss pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. But some of this I could relate to. What was the street <laughs> that lifts are sang- nine feet tall or about a foot Whoa. tall? <laughs> you'll be okay. Oh, that's right. My dentist has a Fu Manchu and. <laughs> Has the meth stash. He wears a a leather vest with no shirt under it. Oh, that's That's right. right. My boss is about the size of a footstool. I'd forgotten. He's got a Hitler stash. (laughs) I can't lift this baby. (laughs) Baby's like a bushel of uranium. What does it weigh, 500 pounds? Uh, Let's see. On what street was the good sandwich place near work? The one that toasted its bread. Four. How much does a movie popcorn cost? Too much. What do people talk about when they don't have a global disaster to talk about all Mm. the time? You have to wear the high heels the whole night? (laughs) (laughs) It's a funny thing for a woman to say. It's more baffling than distressing most of the time. She seems to think that there's something about pandemic life that has made us less sharp. And kind of more hazy about everything. I, when I hear people talk about this stuff, I feel like their pandemic has been different than mine. Mine, mine has yes. not been that much different than my regular life, aside from a couple of vacations. Um, I've been going to work every day and dropping my kid off at school and picking them up, going to the grocery <laughs> store. Pretty much the same thing I was doing before. Whereas yeah. I know, I know some people whose lives have been radically different. They were people that went out a lot, traveled a lot, and they've been in their home for a year. Here's a, here are a couple of for instances. Everywhere I turn, the fog of forgetting has crept in. A friend of mine recently confessed that the morning routine he'd comfortably maintained for a decade, wake up before 7, shower, dress, get on the subway, now feels unimaginable on a literal level. He cannot put himself back there. He can't imagine it. Hmm. Another has forgotten how to tie a tie. A coworker isn't sure her toddler rem- remembers what it's like to go shopping in a store. That's like, funny. I, yeah, how, I have you, never... how have you avoided stores? I haven't done, I don't think, a single less trip to the grocery store than I would have if there hadn't been COVID. No, I remember in the early, uh, uh, really paranoid days of thinking, oh, man, do I even want to go there? But once it but became But I still clear had that... to. I had to have food. Yeah, yeah. How have you avoided going to the store? Anyway. The comedian Kylie Brakeman made a joke video of herself attempting to recall pre-pandemic life, which I should have grabbed, honestly, for the podcast. Uh, the mania flashing across her face. You know what I miss is like those night restaurants that serve alcohol. What were those called? <laughs> and there were those like big men outside who would check your credit card to make sure you were 41. <laughs> Big men who would check your credit card to make sure you were 41. <laughs> That's pretty good writing. No, my no. Yeah, I don't I don't get it. I have a feeling she's a New Yorker. Mm. Um 
Yeah, and even if that was your early life, um, or the early part of your COVID life, I don't understand why you'd be sticking with that. Fleeting encounters with somebody isn't going to give it to you anyway. You're not going to get it from the shopping cart. Uh, let's see, Mike Yassa, a neuroscientist at UC Irvine, said, we're all walking around with some mild cognitive impairment. Based on everything we know about the brain, two of the things that are really good for it are physical activity and novelty. A thing that's very bad for it is chronic and perpetual stress. Mm. Living through a pandemic, uh, even for those who are doing so in relative comfort, quote, is exposing people to microdoses of unpredictable stress all the time. His research has shown that stress changes the brain regions that control executive functioning, learning, and memory. So, yeah, my life hasn't changed that much, but the 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 it, it lurks like a cloud. The stress of the COVID, uh, the sameness wears me out. Definitely the sameness, the the wow. lack of vacations, and uh, you know, a, a radically different weekend here or there. The sameness I find tiring. Yeah, how about this? The, the very next sentence in the article, uh, article, that stress doesn't necessarily feel like a panic attack or a bender or a sleepless night. Sometimes it feels like nothing at all. It's like a heaviness, like you're waking up to more of the same and it's never going to change. Hmm. Like wading through something thicker than water. I had that feeling a couple months ago. Uh, the fact that the, we can see the finish line now has like reinvigorated me for some reason. Let's see. A psych professor at McGill University in uh, Montreal said there's so much going on. It could be the stress. It could be the grief. could be the boredom. could be the depression. Sounds pretty grim, doesn't it? <laughs> Sean and I were talking the other day for introverts like ourselves. There was a certain amount of the social stuff that I was able to avoid or get out of or never got asked to over the last year that I'm not going to enjoy coming back. I mean, yeah, uh, just not not a lot, but, you know, there are, there are a few kids' birthday parties or a variety of things that I didn't have to do that I'm not looking forward to doing again. But, you know, such is life. I'm an introvert. Yeah, yeah. And there are some things I know that I am uncomfortable with, but I'm glad they happen. That's most social gatherings to me. Like, I, I have this weird... Oh, man, do I really want to do this? It, it, running through my Rolodex, is there an easy excuse for me not to do this? Like, I hate business lunches. The mm -hmm. fact that we couldn't have them didn't bother me a bit. <laughs> but, we get it over with in a 15-minute Zoom call. But for most of the things, once I actually get to these things and I make eye contact with my first friend or something, I'm, oh, I'm so glad I did this stuff. It's a, it's a weird thing that I constantly have to fight with myself about. Yeah, well, you're in a room full of people like that. so That poor woman who doesn't remember what a baby weighs, that, she's got much... <laughs> I mean, you might accidentally like go to pick one up and hurl it in the air because you expect it to be 60 pounds. Somebody catch it. Right, exactly. You know what I'm going to miss, guys, is that the restrooms are always empty right yeah. now. Oh, amen, brother. Huh? Anyway. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Featuring our podcast, One More Thing. Get more info at armstrongandgetty.com. Didn't we invent a new featurette uh, where we clean it out? Sound fridge. Or wouldn't we? <laughs> what do we call it? Cleaning. I, I think it, it was fridge related. I remember that. Cleaning out the sound refrigerator. Yeah, yeah. Cleaning out sound fridge. What's our first sound, Sean? So, so this is an internet user. Yeah, what we have here is an internet user um, describing. Uh, a, a list of things that he does not understand. 
Here is a list of things I simply do not understand. Number one, what makes something edible? Like, why can I go eat an apple, but if I was in the mood to go outside and eat a lamppost for dinner, like, I can't do that? What is the reason? Number two, anything to do with a wireless device. Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, AirDrop, none of it makes sense. If I had a gun to my head and they told me to give them a three-sentence long summary on Wi-Fi, how it works, literally anything about it, pull the trigger, I'm gone. Number three, <laughs> bulletproof glass. You're telling me glass is stopping a bullet? You will never catch me standing behind bulletproof glass and trusting it? No, no. Number four, a camera. I literally can't sit here and think about how a camera works too long because it like stresses me out. Nope, 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 nope. Number five, how planes can fly. Don't even try to give me an explanation. I don't want to know. Can I get on the plane and I'm like, with God's grace, anything is possible. Six, why baby animals know what to do? Like they pop out of the womb and they're like, okay, let's get to it. I wasn't a functioning human until I was like 17, so. <laughs> and like Monty Python figured out back in the day, many great TikToks, they just end uh, yeah. arbitrarily. Yeah, you, yeah. Don't have to, yeah. you don't have to figure out an you exit. You don't need an ending. Um, so anyway, that's it. <laughs> the one I agreed with the most is I couldn't do three sentences on how Wi-Fi works. I, I know I couldn't. You're telling me glass? Is going to stop a bullet. <laughs> See, I, I, I just found the other that ones. guy to be a moron. <laughs> the other just... ones made sense to me. I couldn't explain Wi-Fi. I can understand why you don't eat a lamppost as opposed to a banana. Well, I understand that you can't eat a lamppost, but I think is what makes a thing edible, I think, is an interesting oh, premise. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is it its density? No. Whether you can eat it or not makes it. I suppose yeah. everything's been attempted to be eaten when people were hungry enough. Nope. Turns out you can't eat wood. I tried it. <laughs> and, I know uh, they're thinking it, so I'm going to say it. Jack, you said you'd eat your truck. I there did. you go. You can't there eat you. a truck. <laughs> it would kill you. It would kill you. Exactly. So the next piece from the sound fridge, this one tucked behind the uh, half-empty mustard Cleaning jar. The sound fridge! What? <laughs> uh, this, this one located Maru. behind the, uh, <laughs> the mustard jar. Uh, we have Ethan Hawke making uh, an argument in defense of art slash poetry. Most people don't spend a lot of time thinking about poetry, right? They have a life to live, and they're not really that concerned with Allen Ginsberg's poems or anybody's poems until their father dies. They go to a funeral. You lose a child. Um, somebody breaks your heart. They don't love you anymore. And all of a sudden, you're desperate for making sense out of this life. And has anybody ever felt this bad? Before, how did they come out of this cloud or the inverse something great um you meet somebody and your heart explodes you love them so much you can't even see straight you know you're dizzy did anybody feel like this before what is happening to me and that's when art's not a luxury it's actually sustenance we need it that is that's pretty nice. good that is pretty darn good right there oh what a feeling dancing on the ceiling for instance lionel richie beautifully captured that <laughs> feeling of elation <laughs> <laughs> I uh, will now, because I do a lot of um, uh, fact-based stuff, you know, on this show. I read a lot of nonfiction, read a lot of newspaper articles. I'm in the world of, the, of just, you know, whatever the opposite of art is. What's the opposite of art? Science. Never thought about that before. Fact, I guess. The opposite of art. I don't know how I would define whatever art. Whatever the view is. <laughs> I don't know how I would define art and then so the opposite of it. But anyway, I feel like I live in the opposite of art most of the time. And then I'll build up like a craving, a hunger for it. Mm -hmm. Or I just, I need to read a, a, a novel 
or listen to jazz or write watch a complicated movie. I have like a hunger for it. I don't know if that happens with other people. Does that happen with you? Yes. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I have a uh, one of my favorite albums of all time, which I won't distract by naming it because that. Hey, start Mickey, that. you're so fine. You so far, my, my mind. Hey, Mickey. You, you hey, know Mickey. me. You know me Tony better Basil. than I know myself. That's right. No, it's it's it is an open-hearted and entirely emotional piece of music. It is not. It is all about vulnerability and 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 love and fear and longing and there. And yeah, I threw it on the other day and realized in the midst of between the COVID and the Trump era and the election and the giant one point nine trillion dollars porculus, I just needed. That other side of the brain. Is that I hadn't what realized it is? how much I'd craved it. I, I wonder if that's what it is. I wonder, you know, the left brain, right brain thing. I'm only stimulating the one side of my brain uh, and not the other side. And the other side's saying, hey, over here, you can use a little something. A little emotional which stimulation is, or something? Yeah, yeah, which is, interestingly enough, the topic of one of my other favorite albums of all time, Rush's Hemispheres, plays Dig It Today. Hmm. All about love and reason. But that was probably the, the need most for balance, my friends. Balance, succinct, effective argument that I've heard on why art and he was talking about poetry mostly, but why mm-hmm. art matters. I, th- I thought that was beautiful. I love that. There is some poetry I really, really, really like, but most of it I don't get, and I just have to recognize that I'm not built for it. I d- I just don't get it. It's I've not tried. Your flavor, huh? It's not your flavor. I just try. I mean, I can try. I understand what the words mean. It's just. Nothing lands on me. There's a couple of them that I really like. Um, and I've read over and over again, but, man, I just... I mean, like Tim, we had Tim the Lawyer on our radio show today, Tim Sandifer. He's an actual poet, published poet, or poet, published poet. He got something into one of your poetry magazines not long ago. So now he's a published poet. But, really uh, good, too. I like it. It's 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 beautiful. Does he do to haikus? To the extent that I can appreciate He does a lot of haikus. Limericks. He loves the limericks. Uh-huh. Yeah. Everything's we're got cleaning it. out the sound fridge. What? <laughs> I think we're done cleaning out the sound fridge. No, I want to hear clip number three. Play that for me, Sean, would you? Someone who's been vaccinated for COVID, so we don't have to. <laughs> I don't care if it's a man or a woman. I mean, I'm open to all age, all color. Those for me, those things are just, you know, details. That's uh, wackadoo Susan Sarandon saying she'll date anyone as long as they're vaccinated. Is she one of those people that has been hunkered down in an apartment during the entire pandemic thinking you can't see another human being or leave your house? And so now she's waiting for some uh, physical companionship with somebody who's had the vaccine? Well, given the fact that (laughs) most people uh, who who have lived like that are are pretty far left. Yeah, it's possible. I don't know. All I know is she's hot in Bull Durham, by golly. 40 years ago? 35? Yeah, she's 74 now. Lovely gal. She's Joe Biden's age, for crying out loud. (laughs) Try to keep your lust in check. I'm picturing her in Bull Durham. Let me picture. Shh, I'm picturing her. So is the sound fridge now cleared out? How old Uh, is this mustard? What's the date on this? uh, Mustard doesn't go bad. 2006. Can you eat mustard from 2006? We're about to find out. (laughs) Are we going to bring back clip number two tomorrow, probably, uh, Michael? Eh, probably not. Bean dip expires. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm spending 24 hours in this tub of bean dip. I personally believe that small businesses are the backbone of the nation. I believe that it is our duty to support them. And I just think if we can do that in a 
a fun way and in a way that encourages other people to um, you know, bring some excitement to the small businesses as well, I think is really, really helpful. And so I think now is the best time to do it. A way to take your I need to sit in bean dip fetish and figure out a way, a reason to do it. That sounds somewhat justifiable. I'm raising money for small businesses. Yeah, that's why I'm sitting in a tub full of bean dip. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I kind of like the way it feels on my junk. <laughs> Michael, do you have the uh, theme music ready? I sure we do. We just cleaned out the sound fridge. Oh, that's gross. Oh, that is really gross.